You're listening to Tarot Talk, and I'm your host, Holly Ramey. I'm going to serve you some practical magic and give you tips and tools to bring the mystical into your everyday life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 34 of Tarot Talk. I'm your host, Holly Ramey, and I'm so happy to be sitting down with my friend, Yvonne Constancio, today. And Yvonne is the co-founder of a local alternative healing center called the Nashville Center for Alternative Therapy. And she does acupuncture. She's also a yoga teacher, a Reiki master, a photographer, And most recently, she's been reading the Akashic Records, which I find so super interesting. Uh, Welcome, Yvonne. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi. (laughs) I'm super nervous and excited to be here. So thank you. Um, I thought we could just start by you telling the listeners just a little bit about yourself and a little bit of what led you down your spiritual path and really how you got started in alternative and holistic healing. Mm, Okay. So I think I've always been connected to the spiritual realm, even as a little girl. Um, But wasn't wasn't really quite aware of how to express that right um so if you okay so if we go back to sort of the beginning of how it all began to unfold for me um most people don't know that i was sort of a primatologist to begin with so i studied monkeys i studied chimpanzees and i graduated with an anthropology degree and yeah (laughs) with a focus in physical uh, anthropology and so when I graduated I went off and did um, some work in Costa Rica for about six months where I lived in the Costa Rican forest following spider monkeys and so about eight to ten hours a day I was alone that was one of the last jobs I did actually um, I had worked with chimps that knew sign language. I had worked at a um, animal sanctuary too, taking care of Japanese snow macaques and vervet monkeys, like all kinds of stuff. So this was actually one of the last things I did was Costa Rica, um, where I was in the forest for about eight hours a day by myself, um, following monkeys. And so doing that for six months, you know, you really get some time to know yourself, right? Um, And so it really was there that I think I started to truly connect to something beyond me, you know, like being in nature every day, watching the wind through the trees, watching the animals and the way they behaved, just smelling the dirt and um, being, being with nature um, and understanding for the first time that I wasn't any different than the ant on the ground, you know, or uh, the leaf blowing in in the tree. And so um, really starting to to understand that I wanted to do something else with my life, which following monkeys was remarkable. It was awesome. It was an incredible experience. And I I really thought that's what I was going to do with my life. I was going to create like a primate 
um, education center for children because I really liked working with kids too. So that's where I was kind of headed. Um, but as I was in the forest during those six months, I thought, you know, I really want to, I want to offer something to people that helps them heal, that helps them connect to themselves, that helps them understand that they are um, a part of this system um, and we're not separate from it. And so that's when I kind of went home. I, I waited tables for 15 years. So in between um, going out on doing primate jobs, I would come home, wait tables, save up a bunch of money, and then go off to another job. Um, so I came home, waited tables for a while, again, trying to figure out what is it that I want to do next. And at the time, one of my coworkers was an acu acupuncturist. He was, well, he was going to school uh, for acupuncture. And at the time, I was also having um, some digestive issues and a little bit of depression. And so he said, why don't you come to the, to the student clinic and I'll, I'll treat you. I, you know, I'm pretty sure I can help you with these things. And the student clinic is so much more affordable, you know, than a private practice. So um, I went to the student clinic. He absolutely helped me uh, with my digestive issues and with the depression. And so soon after that is when I decided to go to acupuncture school. So I thought, oh, I wanted, this is what I want to do. And I had just actually, while I was getting treated for acupuncture and praying a lot during that time about what's the next move, what is it that you want me to do? How am I supposed to serve? Um, I looked around my apartment the day I decided to go to acupuncture school and I was like, oh, all of my books are about holistic healing. Like, I think I, I, think I have an interest in this. <laughs> I didn't really realize it. And so... So I went to um, acupuncture school in, in Austin, Texas, got my graduate degree, got my master's as an acupuncturist. Um, that led me into um, uh, doing Reiki work, right? Because my partner is a Reiki master. And so I uh, started to play with energy just being an acupuncturist and then started to play with energy being a you know, Reiki practitioner. Um, and I had always loved doing yoga. So, uh, decided to be, get certified as a yoga instructor, um, which always has been another way of connecting with my spirit is just, uh, I found that through yoga and through movement and through breath, of course, you know, a new part of you opens up that you get to connect to, um, yeah. And then, so I'd been doing that uh, acupuncture for going on, I think, 11 years now. Reiki for about five years, five or six years. Yoga, I'd been doing for, I don't even know how long, maybe 20, maybe 20 years. Um, and got certified about five years ago. And yeah, yeah so that's kind of how... That's a little bit about my, my journey uh, with energy, I guess. A learning little bit about a lot. Yeah. Um, so you were in school for, for acupuncture for a really long time. I know that like, you know, China, in, in China, this is like their like main form of medicine. And um, yeah, 
I think uh, it's so vast and complex that I don't want to um, dumb it down. But if you could just like distill it down to its yes. form, like what I guess, um, like how does acupuncture work? I know most people are really familiar with it. Now it's pretty like mainstream in cultures, at least that people know that it's a thing. And, and mm-hmm. you know, but how does it? Um, how does it actually work? <laughs> I mean, the basics of it is um, that you're working with the energetic system of the body, right? And, and most people are probably aware that acupuncture works with the meridians, um, which are these channels that flow up and down the body, head to toe, um, and they're all connected and they're all like flowing into one another. So when one is uh, blocked or having some sort of um, an obstruction or an issue, in it, it's going to um, create some sort of uh, dis-ease or discomfort or illness or um, not necessarily that extreme, but some sort of a, a, a discord in the body, right? So, um, and then if that lasts too long in that one channel, it because they're all connected, it's going to then eventually trickle into the next channel or the next channel, right? So it's always good to um, just go on in with some acupuncture and unblock the channel in whatever form it's presenting. And so acupuncture works a lot with the elements and with the meridian channels. And so just like I was saying um, when I was out in the forest and understanding that we are part of nature, the the elements that are in nature also we carry within ourselves. So if there's too much fire in you, you're, you may end up having, you know, um, whatever, uh, canker sores or, or acid reflux or, um, anger, um, you know, heat signs, Mm -hmm. inflammation, stuff like this. So, um, again, so that kind of plays into, um, with acupuncture, just balancing the elemental systems. Mm-hmm. So if there's too much excess here, you want to bring it down so that it's balanced. If there's a deficiency here, you want to bring it up so that it's balanced. So basically that's in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> How acupuncture works. Yeah. I do like to keep it basic too, because, you know, a lot of it for me um, became very intuition based also. So uh, being someone actually as a child and, and through going through school, I was never academically like um, excellent. You know what I mean? It was always very hard for me, um, school. So I got through acupuncture school, which you're right. It's like four years of school. It is like a medical degree. You And in my program, we did do um, a biomedical portion and the Chinese medicine portion. So I learned pharmaceuticals. I learned uh, biomedical terms. I learned, um, uh, you know, well, the school we went to was called, was an integrative graduate school. So we wanted to be able to, the point was that we wanted to be able to communicate with doctors Mm -hmm. because hopefully acupuncture will be going in that direction where we are collaborating with Western doctors. Um, so I lost my point. There was something I was going to say. 
you learned both and, and yeah, but you were never great in school. Right. So, um, and that was something I was really nervous about, right. Going into a practice where there's so much information, academic information, um, about and around Chinese medicine, um, that I was scared that I wouldn't be able to remember it all. And luckily for me, intuition, I think, plays a big part into um, my practice and, the, and, and being able to tap into energy and understand and feel energy. And a lot of times that's how I make my decisions and choices about point prescriptions or herbal prescriptions. Of course, taking into account what I've learned in school as well, but always being led by um, by, by, by the client's energy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I've had acupuncture. I remember my first experience in New York, I went to Chinatown and it was like this tiny little closet. Like (laughs) there was literally like a 50 square foot room. And like, I went in and it was an older Chinese man. He barely spoke any English, but he had me fill out like three pages of stuff. And then he looked at my tongue and he took my pulse like four different ways. And then even though we couldn't communicate really like with language, like he pulled out this, like this, like statue of a body. And he made me point to all these different places. And like, he asked me a lot about my menstrual cycle. It was like very detailed. Um, and then he put me on the table and did the needles. And then afterwards he gave me the stinkiest, craziest herbs. (laughs) Want me to like make a tea with them. Yep. And it was very (laughs) intense. And I remember being like, whoa, I was not even prepared for what this was going to be. Um, it was, he had spent more time with me than some of medical doctors. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, it can be a very like uh, detailed and rigid experience. And that was our first time. So, you know, it got a little easier. Right. Yeah. The first session is always the most, um, informative at at least in, in form of intake. Like I want all of your information. (laughs) Give me all of this. Yeah. And I, I was wondering too, like when you're placing the needles, um, is that, are you placing them just along this channel, along this meridian line to help that channel to like flow and push the energy through it in a uh, way? Yes. Oftentimes, yes. And um, a lot of times even being drawn again, I tell, like I said, I'm so intuitively driven that um, a lot of times I'm drawn um to what's called an ashi point in Chinese medicine. And ashi points are more um, a point of tenderness or a point of um, some sort of a, you can usually find it by, by it's tender when I press on it, but it's not actually on a meridian. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so it can, it can go both ways. It is, you know, you can, you can absolutely use the channels and, um, and then go off the channels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. So you were pretty much already working with energy, um, 
in Chinese medicine before you kind of move towards your Reiki practice um, Mm -hmm. and then working through working with energy in a different way. And and so I think it's really, there are so many forms of the same kind of thing. Um, Right. And, and so you have the Chinese and then the Japanese (laughs) forms of energy healing. Um, Yeah. And so that kind of led you down the path of um, working with energy in different ways. I've done personally your acupuncture with Reiki and it was like always such an amazing kind of transformative experience to be um, the recipient of that energy where you're like working with multiple systems all at once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed combining Reiki with acupuncture. I really like those sessions. Yeah. Um, it's almost as if uh, the, the acupuncture opens up the body for me, opens up the energetic system for me, and I can tap in like so much easier, so much faster. Um, now, that was at the beginning when I was first uh, starting Reiki. So that's how it used, used to occur for me. Um, now, my Reiki has evolved so much over the last few years that tapping into the energy is so um, intense and quick that um, now it doesn't feel so much like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. There was something about it at the beginning where the acupuncture I felt was like enhancing the Reiki. Mm. Um, and it probably still does, but um, as far as my personal experience, it used to feel like the energy was so much stronger. And now all ses- all, all of my sessions feel really strong. <laughs> yeah. So I understand what you mean, though, because when I first started offering Reiki, it was because I was um, teaching restorative yoga. And so I was kind of priming my students with all of this breath work and gentle movement and then really getting them into the parasympathetic nervous system, the relaxation response, and only then the energy in my hands, you know, but then once I went through all of my attunements and started to really like be able to harness the energy in a deeper way within myself and others, I didn't need that primer of like restorative yoga, but, um, they do work beautifully well together. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's a perfect way to say it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a little primer gets the person like into this relaxation state, just where they're more open, you know? Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it was. All the things. (laughs) Yeah. Use all the tools. We have so many. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about, um, kind of what led you into working with the records um, because I find them to be so interesting, but also something I know very little about. So I I noticed that um, over the last six months, maybe year, you um, started this Instagram account called the Unravel Collective, and you were doing a lot of movement work on there. Um, And I was kind of joining in for a while you were doing these lives on Sunday mornings where you just guide us through like maybe a 10 or 15 minute practice of movement. Um, that was really mostly unstructured, just a little bit of guidance and like 
bringing yeah. into a certain area of the body and then moving through that. Um, and it felt so powerful. It also felt like um, a really powerful kind of energetic shift for you um, mm-hmm. from my perspective. perspective. Um, and I wanted to just ask you, like, what is the Unravel Collective? What is that style of movement? Um, and how did it help to inform your practice and, like, life and, and your work? Yeah, so, yes. Okay, so the Unravel Collective, um, I don't remember what it had been called prior to that. It, that account, oh, it used to be a yoga, a yoga account, which... I never posted on it ever, like very randomly would I decide to post something on it. And then I really got this message to um, that. Well, I did have an intuitive movement practice, a personal practice for myself, but I wasn't consistent with it. And, um, and I really enjoyed, there was a part of me that had, um, I love yoga. I think yoga is awesome. But there was a part of me that was like, it's time to kind of explore your body outside of these structured poses. Mm. And my body was calling me to just move in different ways. And so um, my movement practice became uh, an intuitive movement practice. And so I was doing that. But like I said, it wasn't consistent. And um, I started to get this message inside me that was like, you need to be doing this more consistently and you need to be sharing it with, with people. And so um, I decided to be very consistent in starting in January of this year. I changed the name to the unravel collective and um, decided that I was going to be posting three times a week and that I would start journaling because uh, the message was also to express yourself and your thoughts. And um, so I started journaling so that I would have something to share and say and um, created this, um, this account to just share intuitive movement with people and to uh, help them understand. Like a lot of times when I would talk to my clients about it and say, hey, I really I would suggest you do some movement to move these stuck emotional energies, physical energies, anything, you know, move it out of the body. Um, they would oftentimes be like, eh, I don't know how to do that. Like that, that feels weird. I don't, I don't, I'm not flexible, stuff like this. And I'm like, you don't have to be flexible. It's your body. You move however your body is asking you to move or guiding you to move. It's so personal and unique to you that the way I do it isn't the way you need to do it. And so, um, so yeah, I just wanted to actually show that and demonstrate it. And um, every day is different, right, when I do a movement practice. Some days I feel very soft and gentle. Some days I want to jump and scream and hit something. Or some days I want to um, do some yoga poses, but kind of play around with it. Um, and so, yeah, there was this shift, I think, in actually expressing myself on a consistent basis um, and being dedicated to this account where I was going and being and feeling responsible for it, too, like expressing myself responsibly in a way that what am I sharing with um, my followers and how how can I serve them in a responsible way and how can I 
um, share this information about intuitive movement. And also, um, the, the, the account also for me was important for people to understand that they have the power to create their own realities. Um, now saying that, I also want to be responsible for saying that I understand uh, the systems of oppression that are out there. I understand um, that in some ways that some people may not feel that that is an actual truth for them. That, that and I am not saying that anybody um, is a victim or, I'm not, I don't know how to say this. Um, well, I simply, I just want to be responsible for saying that I, I'm not trying to put a positive bandaid on this. Mm. I right? understand what you mean, like kind yeah. of like law of attraction energy of like, you create your own reality. This is all in your mind. You're right. a product of your thoughts. Like it's not that it's not, yeah. that, you know, um, were you you're sensitive to people who are victims of trauma or oppression or whose circumstances as all of our circumstances are um are a combination of many many things not just right thing yes and so um yeah well and so my account was to uh for for the greater good of our humanity is for each one of us to be connecting to ourselves um, and doing that through movement and doing that through um, recognizing your thought patterns, recognizing your, your belief patterns about yourself, um, recognizing that you, because that is actually, that is what the Akashic records are too, is this idea of thought becoming reality. Um, Akasha is a, uh, Gosh, what is it? Akasha, the word Akasha is Sanskrit for primary thought, I think, mm. if I have that right. Um, yeah. So it's this primary energy of thought that creates uh, your being, you know, your being in the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, part of that, my account was also to help people understand um, how to tap into themselves in a manner that would create who they really want to be in this world. Yeah. So, okay. I have like <laughs> sub questions from that one question or from your <laughs> that question. So I want to go back for a moment. Um, I really love what you said about like when you created the unravel collective, like this commitment that you, um, that you had to it. I I've, I've had similar um, experiences, even with my own personal account and how I um, was putting my work out there. I felt a huge shift when I decided to do one thing and do it consistently every day. And like that was offering a tarot card for every day for my, for my followers. And um, yeah. You know, before then it was like I was doing my thing. I was posting randomly a couple times a week, but nothing was super consistent. It didn't always have like a clear voice or message. Um, but when I really decided to like dedicate time 
to posting something consistent every single day and really wanting to put my energy into it, I think there's a really powerful shift that happens when we make that personal choice to, um, to offer something in this really like dedicated and consistent way. I don't know how I've said those words like 10 times, but I, I, I don't know. There is something that's empowering about that for for us and also, um, yeah, for others to receive it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's something to be said for getting clear on what you want to provide, what you want to serve, what you want to offer. Um, just, and, and that can change, you know, it's not like, um, you're allowed to change your mind around that too. It's not like, Oh, now I, I've said, I'm going to just do this. This is what I'm going to do forever. No, you can, you can evolve and change just like I did. Like it it first started out as a yoga account. I wasn't doing that, (laughs) you know? And so, um, I followed what I was passionate about at the time, which was intuitive movement and, and learning to, um, unravel my own brain and, um, uh, unconscious ways of being, you know? Mm. So, uh, that's what I decided to, to change it to and get clear that that's what I wanted to offer people. And, um, now that the Akashic records have come into play, it's also starting to evolve again. It's starting to change, you know? So, So um, let's start with the, um, getting into the Akashic records and, um, yeah, you mentioned that they are, I have several questions about this, but, um, you mentioned that they are, that, um, the Sanskrit word for Akashic or Akasha is, um, unco- what is it? Primary uh, thought. Primary thought. Okay. I believe, so, I believe. I have always kind of heard of the records and I, I've had this idea that they are like, um, this, uh, opportunity to kind of connect into the collective unconscious, um, or the collective conscious. <laughs> and what is, well, I guess we'll start by saying like, what are the records? What is the history of the records? Is it, is it, mm. um, Indian? Is it Sanskrit? Like, is it through, mm. um, like wh- how do they come to be, Um, they have a lineage. Yeah. What is this teaching about? Okay. So I, okay. So I'm going to start off by saying this is so brand new to me being able to channel. And that's how I receive information from the records is through channeling. Um, I I understand from what I understand, that's not how everybody reads the records. Um, so, and I, I, and I'm like, I'm four months into this. Okay. So anyone who's out there listening to this, that has been doing this for years, uh, I request that you offer me grace <laughs> in, in the space of me being in this, in this learning, uh, uh, time, uh, you know, I'm just learning all of this. And so, um, I don't have all the answers for sure. Um, what I know of the Akashic records, I don't know what, like when you asked, are they Indian or, uh, you know, where, I don't know where they originated or how they originated. Um, I do know that the 
The only person that I know that was doing this uh, most famously or most widely known was Edgar Casey, and he did it for about 45 years, I believe. Um, and so he was, I think, the first one to bring the information to people um, that he had tapped into this and by way of channeling as well, I think. Mm. Um, so, and then the person that I have learned mostly from is Linda Howe. Um, and again, the thing about how I came to the Akashic Records was all through messages and channeling um, other beings who yeah. said, it, you need to learn about the Akashic Records. Okay. And so... Um, what I'll share with you is just direct experience of what I know. So it's not um, something that I have studied, so to speak. It's not something I've gone out and researched or um, gotten training even, because I know some people do that. Some people actually do go to a training or, or a program, go through a program. Um, I didn't do that. So my personal experience is just that I got messages. I was, I channeled um, a being who said, it's time for you to learn the Akashic records. And I had only heard of the Akashic records twice when that happened. Wow. So there was one time I was working out and I, I like to listen to a ton of podcasts, especially while I'm working out. And so one of them happened to be about the Akashic records and I wasn't even listening to it like a hundred percent because I was working out. It was more like it was on in the background. And then the second time was uh, soon after that, my partner um, had mentioned it on a walk. I think she said, have you ever heard of the Akashic records? And I was like, well, kind of, I listened to a podcast about it the other day, but no, I don't know much about them. Um, so that was all I knew <laughs> when I got this channeled message um, so the day I got the channeled message, I um, went to Ramona and I said, and this was, this was maybe two months later. So I had forgotten apparently that we had talked about it on our walk um, because I said, have you ever heard of the Akashic records? Cause I got a message today that I'm supposed to learn about them. And she was like, yes, babe, I told you that I got that book like a couple months ago because it kept coming up. I kept hearing Akashic records and I got, so I got a book on Amazon. It's on the nightstand. And I was like, oh, okay, well, perfect. It's already here. So, yeah. So I read the book. I mean, I read it in two days and I don't know why this is the way it unfolded for me. And I don't know. Um, I think that the way it unfolds for anybody is the way that it's supposed to be. It's supposed to come to you. Um, so the way that it came to me was this way. And I read the book and then um, accessed my Akashic records like two days later. I did my cat a second, you know, and then I did my partner. Um, and then I decided to um, practice with my friends and family. So I reached out and according to Linda Howe's book, when you first learn how to open the records, you are um, given 30 days to ask people if you can read for them so that you can practice. After this 30-day period, you're no longer allowed to be like, 
you need a reading. Let me yeah. give you a reading. You know, it, it must be um, requested of you from, from that individual. So I went, you know, I did a ton of practicing for that 30 days. You were one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for whatever reason, it just came with ease. For whatever reason, um, uh, the channeling of the guides and the teachers and the loved ones, it just happened. I don't know how to explain that part. (laughs) Um, So I love that this just kind of intuitively came through for you in multiple different ways. I think that it's so important to pay attention to the signs and the synchronicities around us when we start to, um, when we start to see them uh, and follow them, that so much can happen. I remember when I was being guided in New York uh, to open a healing space of my own. And it was like, around every corner there was a new sign and in places that I would never expect it just taking a pair of pants to be hemmed and all of a sudden (laughs) the guy who owns that uh shop is offering me a a part of his um business that he's not using a little space to rent (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah that's awesome I just wanted to hem my pants (laughs) that's awesome but it is really an amazing thing when we start to follow those messages um and I know you said that there isn't like um a specific lineage that you needed to learn and follow and like right I think that from the little bit that I also know about the records I have been taught in workshops and read that like you really can just tune in and like um I've gone to workshops where they'll just help you to go into a meditative state and then you can try to access your records and it doesn't yeah. every time but you can practice it and it's not something that um I like the concept that like it's accessible to everyone absolutely if you put it work and and you know practice and do all of those things so absolutely you said that you were receiving a lot of different um kind of messages um and I remember you did like a little talk about how you followed these certain um kind of signs and synchronicities to get there yeah you learn to really channel and listen to that um inner voice or that even um the voice of maybe your guides or guardians or loved ones right well I think quarantine helped (laughs) it really offered the space for all of this to happen um so I think also one of the first messages was to, which was back in November, I believe, was to, um, to do this nine-week uh, intensive with Dr. Joe Dispenza. And um, there were, a, and if you don't know who Dr. Joe Dispenza you can, is, you can look him up. He's amazing. I'll link um, in the show notes. Yeah. So Ramona and I both, my partner, we both signed up for this nine-week um, intensive, I think it's called something else. I'm saying intensive, but I can't remember the right word. Um, and in which, you know, we learned all of his, uh, material and, and did a gazillion meditations with him. 
And these meditations really blew all of my other meditations out of the water. Like they really took me out into space. And so I think that that had a huge part in it too, was just being open to um, or allowing those meditations to open the channel in a way that I hadn't experienced yet. Um, so yeah, I think that was a big, big part of it. Um, and then I, I've got this uh, meditate. Uh, I'm sorry, another message to go vegan, mm. which was something that I never ever in my life thought that I would be. <laughs> um, I was very conscious about the meat that I ate, but I never thought that I could give up meat completely. And so when I got that message, that was surprising. Um, and when I asked why. Uh, the message I got back was to purify yourself. And at the time I was just like, why do I need to purify myself? Like what is going on? Um, and so that happened. So I made that choice. And again, that came with ease, which was really unexpected. Um, I don't miss it. I don't crave it. It's really strange. Um, but I think again, it was just another way to clear my channel. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I, it's just been, oh, that I also had this really strong pool to connect with my spirit guides. So I started doing a, um, I didn't know how to do that. So I went on insight timer <laughs> and just looked at, I just scrolled for meditations that were anything to do with connecting with your spirit guides. Um, and, and was really humble and sincere about it too. You know, I was just like, I really want to connect with you. Please hear me from my heart that I am ready to receive, you know, a connection with you that I can that is palpable, that I can feel, that I can see, that I can really truly experience your existence, you know? Um, and one of those meditations actually brought me um, an experience with the energy of Jesus, which was really, really, really cool, I have to say. Um, I, I mean, I grew up in the Catholic faith, and, and don't practice Catholicism, but that's how I grew up. So this foundation of Jesus um, still is really strong inside of me. I, I feel like I'm, I'm friends with Jesus. I've always been friends with Jesus. Like I like Jesus. I think he's incredible, awesome, <laughs> cool guy. <laughs> um, and so for, for Jesus to present in this meditation was really um, a really special experience and then it was soon after that, that that I got the message to learn about the Akashic Records and this channeling began, you know. So, so yeah. Jesus is considered, you know, one of the ascended masters. And I know that um, when you channel through the records, right, that's who we are kind of asking to connect with our guides, our guardians, our loved ones, ascended masters. Um, Mm -hmm. can you speak a little bit on like that and like how do we how do you know who you're talking to can you see them do they present in a certain way that you would recognize um does everybody have different spirit crew around them um yeah. you know and kind of what what is their goal for us like what do they want us to <clears throat> to really know and understand okay so 
There's a few little questions. I know. I was like, how, okay, how, help me remember all those questions. Okay. Okay. Are the loved ones that we connect to or that you connect to when you access the records, like, you know, um, so in my experience right now, uh, so far, uh, for the most part, your, your, your ascended masters, your teachers, your loved ones, your spirit guides, your angels, um, they're all speaking as one when I channel. Mm. Um, and so from my understanding too, just through the readings, there seems to be that some of these guides, some of these teachers um, and loved ones also will be with you for certain periods of your life. So they're not always with you throughout your whole lifetime. Not some of them are, some of them, I think like your masters are with you throughout your whole lifetime. I'm not, I'm still learning. Right. Yeah. But there are some that are also just with you for periods of at a time where you're in a particular um, space where you're learning a certain lesson and mm-hmm. they need um, you need their support at that time. Um. And so for the most part, during these channeled readings, um, they, they do tend to be uh, speaking as one. And there have been a couple times when somebody has said, who is here? Who is talking to me right now? You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of both of those times, um, the, the guides answered by saying that they would prefer not to reveal their identities because they really want you to uh, connect to your own power and your own um, sense of self and your own um, soul identity, I guess. Mm. Um, So they don't want you to rely on, oh, this is my spirit guide. I need to go to them for the answer Mm. because really the answer is within you. Um, and so I think that's one of the main reasons, at least that's the answer they gave to of why they don't prefer to identify themselves, um, when they're, when they're guiding you. Um, but there was a couple times also where a loved one did present and they did come forward and they did like a father came forward, you know, um, two fathers have come forward in one of my, in my readings so far and have spoken directly to the individual, um, which was really moving. And of course, you know, when somebody is coming from the other side, you feel all of their love for you. I mean, and the guides too. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I'm overwhelmed with the experience of the love inside of me that they have for you. Um, So it's just been really precious and and such an eye-opener. to experience the, and, and again, I don't think I'm even experiencing it fully because I'm still in a human body in a human form. So to, to feel the amount of love that they have that kind of channels through me and to know that it's probably even a, a thousand, 10,000 times greater than that or whatever, you know, on the other side, um, it's just really comforting. Um, so uh, where, did I, did, yeah, you got all of your questions. I had a 10 part question. Um, yeah, like I love that. And I love that, um, the experience is kind of coming through you and in, 
in my reading personally, I'll just pull from that experience. When you started to speak, you know, first you, you ask your question and then you begin to answer it. Um, it was like your voice just shifted a little bit. So it was like, I could tell that you had like clicked into something, you know, beyond speaking from yourself and your own ego. Yeah. Uh, What really hit home for me when I was receiving that guidance was that um, some of the stuff they said was like almost like they were directly quoting thoughts that I've had or narratives that I've had in my brain for a long time that I've never really voiced um, to anyone just kind of And it wasn't like, you know, I asked a specific question and it wasn't like they just said like, okay, here's the answer. They kind of went back and said like, oh, well, this has been a lesson, a main theme of your entire existence. And we can see how in the past you've done it this way and now you're doing it this way and you've made these contracts um, in this lifetime. Um, And it was both incredibly... um, triggering in a way to like hear these thoughts being vocalized and like oh my god you do you know you know you you see this and um to have that experience kind of being witnessed is a little bit scary um but it was also really comforting and knowing that like I'm not alone and like that um I am meant to be doing this work and having these experiences, even though they're really difficult um, and have continued to be. And that that's like part of the reason I'm here. Um, Now I'm going on and on, really. I could cry. (laughs) Because it's just so powerful, you know? Yeah. Um, It really is. It's a while to digest it and really like um, be at peace with it in a way. But um, it's also given me a lot of um, purpose in continuing to like work on these things that I was asking about. Mm -hmm. So for you, how do you know that like, it's like, for me, it was very like, oh, wow, this is for sure real. Like, this is, they know what they're talking about. So like, because you don't know me and the thoughts in my head and like, what's going on? Like, how can you, how do you get out of your own way? Like, how do you get out of your ego and just like, know that this is real? That's what's coming through and you're saying the right thing. Like, yeah. Gosh, you know, I mean, that's, Getting out of the way was probably, um, not that it was challenging. Well, yeah, it was, it was challenging, let's say, but not to the, to the point where it was, um, interfering so much, uh, with the channeling, but for sure, it's so much easier now. I'm totally out of the way, but at the beginning when I was practicing, um, there was for sure a part of me because I'm not gone I'm just kind of in the background listening hanging out um and so absolutely there was a part of me that in the beginning when information would start to come through um that I would start to get nervous if uh they were saying information that I thought might be hard to receive Mm-hmm. And so I, I would start to get nervous over here in the background. Um, and, and there were several times when I just said, help, 
help me. And I'd say that silently mm. so that they would be able to like, um, get me out of the way mm. and allow for the message to come through. Um, and so basically that's what I do when I feel like I'm getting nervous. That doesn't happen as much now. Um, but I've been doing this, uh, I guess going on three months now, <laughs> which still doesn't seem like very long. It's not very long, but the practice, I'm doing so many of them yeah. that the practice is really, um, I'm making a lot of progress in, in, in getting out of the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and there've been a couple of times when I've had to say, help me. And they actually are transparent about that and they will channel, let's give Yvonne a moment to ground herself, mm. you know, or let's just take a breath here or something like that. And, uh, you know, so, um, yeah, I've never, I feel like I'm very honest about the experience, whatever that may be, or whatever, and whatever rises, arises um, during a reading. And I really am dedicated and committed to um, being responsible for providing something that is for your highest and greatest good. So just with an open heart and with love, that's, that's how I operate the readings. And I think that's what creates the space for a very authentic and real connection, Yeah, you know, with your guides. Because it's vulnerable, you know, to open yourself up in that way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> a very like that heart centered. Like that's what it reminds me of is like, you know, putting yourself in that vulnerable space of, um, you know, being able to channel that information with love and humility and, um, and really deliver the messages, even when they're hard. I've, that's something I've struggled with even in tarot, you know, is just like delivering the messages, even when, they might not want to be received. Um, exactly. It be a little bit difficult to receive. Um, I know we're getting close to time. So I just wanted to ask you one other thing, because I know that you've started to channel for the collective as a whole. Um, and I always see your messages come through from like a specific um, uh I don't even know what to call it. It's the ninth dimension Arcturian council. So I was just wondering like, who are they and how did you <laughs> them? And like, what, is, what are they about? Right. So these are um, again from personal experience and not a ton of research because uh, I really do want to receive the information without some sort of outside knowledge, I guess. Um, these people, these, uh, these beings, these people, uh, these interdimensional beings started coming to me around the time that I started channeling and around the time that the Akashic Records was happening for me. Mm. Uh, so they started uh, presenting themselves in their sleep or in my sleep and, and sort of having like actual conversations with me while I was asleep. Wow. And um, yeah. And so this happened for about three or four nights in a row. And uh, finally, I got up one night because it was very clear that they wanted me to start uh, channeling messages for the community. Mm. And so 
finally at like four o'clock in the morning on the fourth night that this occurred, I, I got up and I actually record a voice memo uh, channeled message. And so um, basically, and so now I've been doing that um, for the last month, I guess, um, or month and a half. And so basically what I know of the ninth dimension Arcturian council <laughs> is that they are intergalactic be they're galactic beings um, that want to provide support for us during this transition. Um, they are always um, vibrating at this um, level of just unconditional love, truth, and harmony. From what I know, they are an advanced being um, especially in, in the realm of, um, spiritual, um, awareness and healing through love and harmony and truth. And so that's basically their work here on earth from what they've told me is that they are here to support and guide us, um, through this transition. And, and that there's a very real transformation happening on the planet right now. And so <laughs> uh, they are energetically guiding us and offering us this um, access to opening our hearts and operating um, just on this higher level of uh, loving one another and supporting one another. And so they have told me that the messages that I'm channeling through them are specific to the people who who are drawn to me for whatever reason, whoever is in my world, mm. uh, following me or knows me in person, um, or has been was friends with me back in high school, yeah. <laughs> and is still you know watching what I do. Um, that these mes these messages are specific to reaching you. Mm. Um, so. There are others who do channel the Ninth Dimension Arcturian Council. And I have, after they told me that, I, I was able to kind of recognize, oh, okay. So the one that I follow um, who channels them as well is very much more uh, a different, it's, it's still the same message of unconditional love and support and harmony and truth, but it's almost like a different level of understanding. Mm. Um, so they're a little more refined like his messages are a little more refined and mine are still what feels like um, beginners, <laughs> Be beginners level of here are our messages. We want you to accept and receive them. Don't be scared, you know? Yeah, yeah. they're like, we'll give you little bits and pieces of what you can digest. No more. Yeah, yeah. so it's been really cool and interesting. Yeah. That's amazing. I hope that this transition, have they told you when this transition will be complete? <laughs> no, not really. No. The only thing they have said, which was in a recent message, was that this, um, the, the transition of things kind of collapsing and us going through this chaotic period of what we perceive as chaotic um, will be about four to five years of a big hot mess, but, <laughs> but that after that, I mean, we're going to be open to creating something so brand new and beautiful. So 
I love that. Um, looking forward to that part. <laughs> Me too. Gosh. Yeah. It help us all in 2020. <laughs> I know. We can do it. We can do it. No, I know. And, and it's also so comforting just to have that reassurance that like, yes, this is like a tower time. We are like, yes, you know, yes. Like we are burning down structures that do not work. And we are like fighting. We are the resistance. You know what I mean? Like we are resisting against, um, continuing to live in a way that doesn't serve all. Um, and it's, and I, in my own personal, um, channeling and my own personal readings, uh, for myself and for my clients and the collective, just keep coming back to, uh, the heart chakra. I keep coming back to this energy of judgment and releasing judgment, um, and opening into more and more, um, unconditional love and understanding and compassion. So I, I totally feel that from so many places now. Um, I could literally ask you 20 more questions, but um, (laughs) we are coming on to time. So um, just give the listeners uh, an idea of how they can find you and if they want to get a reading, how they can do that and where they can get Mm. messages that you're putting out there in the world and anything else that you want to um, promote. Yeah, well, um, yes, as far as my Akashic Records readings, you can follow me at the dot unravel collective on Instagram. And um, if you, I, I prefer to be uh, contacted directly right now to schedule a reading because I'm still trying to learn how to manage my energy around that. So mm-hmm. I don't want people to schedule like five readings in one day. <laughs> So contact me directly for that um, through either Diane uh, DM or uh, my phone number, which is 512-433-0950. Um, and then you can also go to mynashvillecenter.com, which is the Nashville Center for Alternative Therapy website, if you want to schedule acupuncture or Reiki with me. Perfect. I'll put all that in the show notes um, for everyone to access. Thank you so much, Yvonne, for joining me today, for um, giving us all a little bit of wisdom and um, really, for me, inspiration on like really following um, and trusting your journey, even when you're not sure where it's going to take you. I really love that. Yes. Absolutely. Good. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. And for all you out there listening, um, stay tuned for the new moon forecast coming up in a moment. Hi everyone, welcome to the second portion of the show and we're going to talk about the new moon in Leo. So the upcoming new moon is on Tuesday, August 18th and it is in the sign of Leo which means that the sun and the moon are both conjunct or hanging out in the same sign at the same degree. So during a new moon I always focus on setting intentions and I especially like to look at Leo 
in my birth chart and see what house it's in and what themes are present personally for me. And even if you don't do that, even if you don't look at your birth chart, you can still kind of feel into the themes of Leo. We've been in this sign. The sun has been in Leo now since the end of July. And so is there anything around the themes of Leo? Leo is a fire sign. It's fixed. Uh, the tarot card associated with Leo is strength, and it really brings up our sense of courage and vulnerability. And um, as you know, if you've been listening over the past couple of weeks and over the past actually couple of months, we've been having these themes come up over and over again, bringing us into the energy of the heart chakra and and really finding a sense of compassion, understanding, non-judgment. Um, and I feel like Leo really goes well with those themes. It gives us the courage to really be vulnerable. It gives us the courage to sit with the things that are uncomfortable and really find time to heal them, to be present with them within ourselves so that we can be present for others in a deeper way. So I really love the energy of Leo season. We had the Lion's Gate um, energy on 8-8, which kind of opens us up for manifestation and abundance and transformation. And so this new moon in Leo feels really potent. And um, yeah, let's just get right into the forecast. So I pulled two cards for each position in the spread, one with the Wild Unknown deck and one with the Liminal Space deck. And what I really love is that um, we see some of the themes continuing to be repeated, right? So um, the three positions that I pulled were the theme for this new moon, what we're letting go of, what we're releasing, and what we are stepping into. So starting with the theme, I pulled the two of cups reversed with the primary problem with language is its magic. And this to me is really a call into the way that we communicate and the language that we use. I was just taking a course with Natalia Benson and she talks about abracadabra, right? Which means as I speak, I create. And it's really about the power of our words and our language and that the way that we think and the way that we speak to ourselves and the way that we speak to each other is really impactful and it carries weight. And so while the two of cups is generally associated with romantic relationship, I see it in readings all the time to represent any intimate relationships, including the ones we have with ourselves, our body, um, our work, whatever it is. And so I'm really drawn here for us to think deeply about how we're communicating. How do you speak to yourself in regards to your physical body? Um, are you critical? Are you judgmental? How do you speak to yourself in terms of anything in your life, right? Are, is there this sense of judgment and criticism? How does your language create an imbalance? And even in the course I was taking, 
um, we were talking about some words, some words that really take the energy down, like can't and need. Um, and, uh, what was the last one? I think hope and try were one of them. Right. And so instead of saying, I can't, we can say, I want, or I desire, um, or instead of saying, I need, we can say, I want, or I desire, instead of saying, I can't, we can kind of shuffle that around to say like, well, I plan to, or, I'm not going to because I have this commitment or whatever it is. But when we say the word can't, we kind of like shut ourselves off from that thing. Like I can't afford it or I can't do this. And instead, right, we can find a way to say I'm exploring this or this is challenging now, but I'm working towards this, right? And so it's just a way of like shifting our language to be more empowering and more impactful. I think it's impactful either way. It's just whether it's in a positive way or a negative way. And so that's what we're really looking at here as the theme of this new moon is like the language that we use. And so I'm drawn to say that this would be a really powerful time to, first of all, just look and observe the language that we're using with ourselves and also with others, especially those uh, that we're in intimate relationships with, whether that's with, again, a partner or a family member or even a work colleague, right, that we work really closely with. We have intimate relationships with more than just our uh, partners, romantic partners. And and how the language that we use kind of hinders us or helps us. And really powerful tools for language are affirmations, um, EFT, tapping, journaling. Um, Louise Hay is such an old school teacher of positive affirmations. Even things like hypnosis um, tapes that you can listen to um, at night before you go to bed to kind of shift the consciousness um, and really introduce new ideas and new themes or listening to things like this when we meditate are just different ways to help to shift our language. And if there's any um, one story or phrase or thing that you continue to repeat to yourself over and over again, um, just becoming aware of it and seeing if you can reword it to be more positive might be a really powerful practice. Or maybe like me, um, you might feel inspired to take a few words out of your vocabulary and find ways to rework those. Um, And so the energy that we are releasing in this position, I pulled the nine of swords reversed, which I love because this was the energy we were walking into from the last reading that I did on the full moon. And so we walked into it and now we're ready to let that shit go. And like, bye, because nine of swords is a tough one, you guys. It really is. And nine of swords is really indicative of some of those narratives that we can find ourselves in. The swords are the mind. It is the intellect. And it happens to often represent what needs to be detoxed, these stories that are just no longer serving us and like how we're really um, polluting our own 
um, our own minds with these stories and with these narratives and with these doubts and these criticisms. And um, I pulled this card with the dark night of the soul from the liminal space. And I really felt into the energy of that card over these past few weeks in the full moon, just really drawing us inward, really drawing us into the shadow self. And these narratives come from the shadow, right? And in a way, we develop them in order to protect ourselves uh, from being hurt. And so we, we strive for a sense of perfection or we, we fall victim to comparison or competitiveness um, because we're always trying to live up to a certain expectation so that we can be received and loved and um, accepted. But when we speak to ourselves in such a negative way or we play out narratives of old traumas, it can really lead us into just reliving the past. And so the dark night of the soul is really a card where we look at these shadows, we look at these narratives, we look at this pollution, what feels toxic, right? And we make the actual changes to shift out of it. And just like I was saying with the affirmations, um, affirmations are great, but we also have to put action behind them, right? We can't just say the things. We have to actually believe them and feel into the energy of them and then put small action behind them. So it doesn't matter how big the action is. It just has to be consistent, right? And so if we're going to say affirmations about our self-worth, in the morning, but then for the rest of the day, we continue to just talk down on ourselves and treat ourselves poorly and put everybody else's well-being and needs in front of our own, then we're not going to get very far. But if we say these positive affirmations about how worthy we are, and then we make daily small promises to ourselves every day to take care of ourselves mentally, physically, emotionally, then we start to see forward movement. And, uh, you know, these things can be small. They can be cooking a meal for yourself, getting some movement in, drinking water in the morning, whatever it is that you feel you can incorporate into your routine that really gives you that care and that nourishment um, that makes you feel good, that makes you feel worthy. All right. And then the final uh, cards that I pulled, the final set is the eight of cups reversed with the enemy of intuition is self-doubt. And this is really asking us to have clear and healthy boundaries, right? The eight of cups, similar to the nine of swords, is another polluted ecosystem, right? It's when we have failed to set a boundary and therefore we have allowed ourselves to be emotionally drained and emotionally unfulfilled. And now we're at a point where we we need to either set a strong boundary or we need to walk away. Or maybe we need to do both, right? We need to set a strong boundary, walk away from what's not serving us, and then get really, really clear on what will serve us, on what we do need, and what we are willing to participate in and what we aren't. And the enemy of intuition is self-doubt. 
this really brings me to this sense of like when we doubt ourselves, when we give away our power, when we give away authority to another person and we say, okay, you're the expert. And so you can tell me what I need and what I don't need and if I'm good and if I'm bad. And what can happen when the power structure is off in our relationships like this, then if we do something wrong, or we think that we've done something wrong, or we think that the other person thinks that we've done something wrong, then we feel ashamed. And then we get angry for being ashamed. And then we turn that anger in on ourselves and we end up feeling bitter or resentment towards others, right? And so how can we set that boundary and really bring our autonomy back, bring our own power back and really be able to to know when we feel good and when we feel bad and to voice opinions And to say no to things that don't work for us or don't serve us. Um, To really recognize when maybe we've given our power away or we've been looking up to someone or something else outside of ourselves for authority. um, And really bring that back in. And so this card what we're walking into is really a sense of trust, really a sense of confidence, um, which I believe comes through a deep sense of self-worth and a deep sense of connecting to our own intuition and really just giving ourselves permission to trust that. And we're always going to have doubts. We're always going to have fears. It's a natural part of life. But being able to still sit quietly with those fears and those doubts without reacting to them or acting immediately upon them and really feeling into a deeper sense of who we are and what our needs are and trying to honor those as best we can. All right, you guys. So I really love this spread for us. It feels really nice. It feels a little bit gentle compared to what we've seen in the past with all of this release. I think that we released so much over that last waning moon. Um, from that full moon in Aquarius in these past two weeks, just looking at the cards for the collective and in my personal experience, it just really, really felt like we were really releasing and um, letting ourselves shed so much grief, so much bitterness, so much resentment, so many old hurts. Um, And now we can see a little bit more clearly where we need to put our boundaries and we can find some more trust in ourselves and we can start to shift, right? Start to shift our narratives, start to shift our language and really start to change. Okay, so I hope that this reading served you. Thank you so much for listening. And I do ask that if you have been listening to the podcast on the regular, that you give it a rating. Um, Even now, just take a moment to pause and hit five stars if you feel inclined and even write a review. It really does help so much for people to find the podcast. Um, I am a one woman show, so I produce 
produce this completely on my own. I record it here in my bedroom. I know the quality isn't the very best, but I try my best to get it out to you. Um, and I really appreciate your support. Um, or you can just share it, share it on your Instagram feed or your social feed, share it with others. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for listening, for sharing. I hope you have a great new moon in Leo. I do have a new moon ceremony. It is via Zoom, so you can attend from anywhere in the world. It's going to be Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. And I offer Reiki healing to everyone. We set our intentions together. We talk about the astrology a little bit and the themes. And then we also do individual tarot card guidance. So it's a really fun ceremony. If you'd love to join, the link is in um, the show notes here. And also you could just go on my website, hollydramey.com and click the events tab and you can RSVP there. All right, you guys have a great new moon and waxing moon, and I will catch you again next time. Take care. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.